You are listening to the audiobook of Manimals by Mel Brooks Crow. This is episode one, part one. Manimals, episode one, Tusks, is a sci-fi slash drama screenplay written by Mel Brooks Crow. It is an original multi-episode series with computer-animated animal characters composed alongside real people, locations, and scenes, with a fictional storyline. Blogline Required to take state-mandated therapy sessions for assaulting two men, an elephant shares a story of how he learned to walk, talk and find a new life in New York City. If you have an idea that you genuinely think is good, don't let some idiot talk you out of it. If there is something that you feel is good, something you want to do, Something that means something to you? Try to do it. Because I think you can only do your best work if you're doing what you want to do. And if you're doing it the way you think it should be done. Stan Lee Episode 1. Tusks In a hypothetical near future, Mess Day 220. Establishing shot, Central Park, morning. Exterior. Central Park. A time-lapse montage as the sun starts to rise over the park. The shadows cast by the trees grow shorter and shorter. Joggers, children, and people on rollerblades and bikes come out to enjoy the park. A couple is roller skating along an asphalt path hand in hand, enjoying the morning, not aware of the yellow eyes looking through the trees at them. A soft purring growl. A zebra bursts out of the bushes in front of the skating couple and breaks into a run. Both skaters are startled and step out of the way. Sefu, a black panther on all fours wearing a red beret and a black trench coat, bursts out of the bushes just up the bike path and begins chasing after the fleeing zebra. The two on skates watch with their jaws dropped. The zebra cuts around pedestrians and across a street, jumping over a taxicab, which skids to a stop and honks. Other cars do the same to avoid an accident, including an Allzit Fusion electric self-driving hover car. The panther, close behind, darts with graceful movements around the cab and continues after the zebra, his long trench coat flapping in the breeze. The zebra cuts a sharp right into some trees and comes out the other side to run straight through a playground, where children watch in amazement. The zebra jumps over playground equipment, kicking up sand. POV shot of Panther as he follows close behind the zebra through the playground, around objects, jumping over children in order to keep hot on the zebra's trail. The zebra is cutting right and left, trying to lose its predator. Dashing across another asphalt path, the zebra causes two bikers to wobble to avoid the zebra and finally crash. Slow motion as the panther jumps over them, the bikers looking up at the passing panther in awe. The panther cuts to the right and dashes around some large rocks surrounded by trees. It jumps over the entry gates to a Japanese garden exhibit and continues on. The zebra enters a large clearing where teenagers are playing soccer. Looking over its left shoulder, the zebra doesn't see the panther and begins to slow to a jog. Over its right shoulder, the panther enters the clearing at full speed, running between the soccer players and toward the zebra which notices the approaching panther a moment too late. The zebra tries to take off into a run, but the panther dives through the air. Slow motion shot as the panther tackles the zebra, ticking it down. Clumps of dirt and grass fly into the air as the two wrestle to the ground. They roll to a stop, and the panther stands on its hind legs and growls victoriously down at the fallen zebra like Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston. Sefu, giggling and doing the pride dance. Ha <laughs> ha! Panthers will triumph! Zebra clumsily getting back up on all fours. So you keep telling me, it's these stupid hooves. Sorry, pal. Only paws get fingers. Wiggling his clawed fingers. Quit with the excuses. 
The hooves didn't slow you in the jungle. I didn't have to run on pavement in the jungle. Admit it. I'm getting faster. <laughs> the zebra gets to his feet. He's grinning and slightly chuckling while brushing off dirt. Yeah, yeah, you got me. You're getting faster. Either that, or I'm getting slower. A policeman walks up to the two animals. Everyone is standing, watching the rude display of interference. Policeman. Hey, you two want to take it easy before someone gets hurt? I apologize, officer. I just got swept up in the call of the wild. Sefu puts his arm around the zebra and the two laugh like children. Just cool it, will ya? I can't have you running through here like a couple of wild animals. We'll be more careful. Good, cause I'm not going to warn you again. Points at them sternly. The two animals nod in agreement, trying not to laugh but doing a poor job of holding it in. The policeman turns and walks away. Everyone else goes about his or her business. Sefu, giggling, picks up his beret and brushes off the grass. As he puts it gently on his head, he notices a business-dressed individual, Kyle Stapley, 40s, holding a briefcase, standing on the path, watching. When the panther notices him, Stapley turns and walks into a tunnel that leads underneath the street above. Sefu. Hey, I've got some business to take care of. Meet you later? Um, yeah, sure, no problem. Cool. The panther turns, drops on all fours, and begins running toward the tunnel. The zebra watches for a moment, then turns to leave. Exterior. Under a tunnel in Central Park, morning. Sefu enters the tunnel and again stands on two feet, staring at Stapley. Sefu. What are you doing here? Stapley. I was told you'd be here. I have a proposition for you. You know we can't be seen in public like this. This couldn't wait. What do you want? I'm sure you've heard of the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. Can't say that I have. If you had money, it could be quite persuasive for your cause. I'm willing to offer you $10,000 to do a little chore for me. You're against the cause. Why should I trust you? I need something done that only a manimal of high respect and reputation can do. And of course, with this, you can buy anything you want. Power. People. Money can be very persuasive. I'm not interested. Now take a hike. Stapley places the suitcase on the ground and opens it, revealing hundred-dollar bills. Don't you at least want to listen to what I have to offer? The large, six-foot-tall Black Panther looks into the briefcase, at the money. Close-up shot on Sefu's dark, furry face. Okay. I'm listening. Fade to. Opening title sequence. Montage of time-lapse shots and slow-motion shots of life in Africa intercut with the life of citizens in the big city of New York. 1. Establishing shot. An African herd consisting of thousands of wildebeests cut with thousands of people in the crowded city streets. 2. Upshot, looking up at skyscrapers towering overhead with the sun shining between them cut with trees from the savannah towering overhead with sun shining between them. 3. Establishing shot, the sun rising and setting over the trees and mountains cut with the sun setting over the magnificent city skyline. 4. Wide shot, a pack of lions attacking a zebra and bringing it down while other zebras run for cover cut with a group of thugs in a parking lot attacking a man and mugging him while citizens scurry away, not wanting to get involved. 5. Downshot, hundreds of giraffes running cut with hundreds of cars and traffic speeding through intersections. 6. Upshot, a migration of thousands of birds cut with thousands of cars on the expressway. These shots, cut together, Reveal the similarities between animal and human life in the two different jungles. Fade out. Cut to news footage. News anchor. 
Mayaka the elephant is in the spotlight again. The manimal was arrested last week after allegedly attacking two men, sending them both to the hospital with injuries, one with a broken hand and the other with a broken nose. Today, Judge Pretty sentenced Mayaka to five anger therapy sessions and a $5,000 fine. Some are saying that Mayaka is a hero, while others are saying he is out of control. Many believe the elephant was standing up for his rights and fighting for equality. Other manimals are banding together and asking Mayaka to be their revolutionary leader in the fight for animal rights. It is unclear where Mayaka stands on the matter, as he has yet to address the press directly and has made no comment. Regardless of his intentions, this manimal has become a media and internet sensation and has gained the attention of thousands of national followers. Establishing shot, large skyscraper downtown, day. Interior. Receptionist area. Low shot. Elevator doors open to reveal first, two large elephant legs wearing pressed, black dress pants, and second, feet wearing round, black dress shoes, custom made to fit an elephant's foot. The feet step forward toward the camera as they leave the elevator. Camera pulls back, following the walking feet. In this story, elephants and rhinoceros are sometimes referred to as flat feet. Cut to receptionist. A dark shadow falls slowly over the attractive receptionist, Stephanie, 20s, sitting behind the waiting room desk. She looks up at the large figure, slightly intimidated. Mayaka approaches, wearing a chauffeur's black uniform and cap, and he looks down at her. Mayaka. I'm here to see Dr. Halbert, please. Stephanie. Um, do you have an appointment? Yes, I do. 1230. Stephanie types for a moment, looking at her monitor, then looks back to Mayaka. You are Mayaka? Mayaka, nodding politely. Yes, that's me. But you are, um, sorry, you are an elephant. Flashback. Photos are shown rapidly two per second for five seconds, each transition coming with a camera shutter click sound. The photos reveal Mayaka's backstory from the beginning of the mess and leading up to the present situation, giving us a glimpse of the story that will later be explained, without revealing any spoilers. Mayaka. Was it the trunk that gave it away, huh? Maybe my huge ears? I tried to hide them, but they are just impossible. Um, let me page him. Stephanie picks up the phone and dials an extension, not taking her eyes off of Mayaka. Uh, yes, Dr. Halbert? I have a Mr. Mayaka here to see you? Stephanie watches Mayaka out of the corner of her eye. I'll send him right in, sir. Stephanie hangs up the phone. Dr. Halbert will see you now, Mr. Mayaka. Oh, please, just call me Mayaka. You need to sign in, please. Mayaka, with his trunk, reaches to a cup of pens on Stephanie's desk, grabs one and signs the clipboard sitting on her desk. He returns the pen to the cup. Using his trunk again, he brushes some lint off his shoulder. He turns toward the door into Halbert's office. Stephanie just stares, not knowing exactly what to think. Mayaka grabs the doorknob with the end of his trunk and opens the door. He has to crouch slightly to fit under the door frame as he enters. Interior. Halbert's therapy room, day. Mayaka enters Dr. Jean Halbert's, 35 male, therapy room to find him pouring two cups of tea at his desk. Halbert. Welcome, Mayaka. Come on in. Please, have a seat. Gestures with his free hand toward a soft, expensive-looking leather seat reluctantly, and a little nervous, Mayaka takes a seat. The sofa creaks under his massive weight. Mayaka tugs nervously at his collar with the finger of his trunk, then pulls a hanky out of his pocket and dabs at his forehead. To Mayaka. Tea? Oh no. Thank you, sir. I insist. This tea is lemon chiffon rooibos. Dr. Halbert picks up the two freshly poured cups of tea and approaches Mayaka. 
blended with lemongrass, this rooibos has a creamy lemony flavor without a citrus bite. You'll simply love it. Mayaka nods and takes the tea in his trunk. He puts the teacup to his lips and sips it. Huh? Not bad. Mayaka puts his tea down on a small table that is sitting in the center of the room between the doctor's chair and the sofa where Mayaka sits. One of my favorite gourmet teas. It's very good, sir. Thank you. He watches Dr. Halbert for a few moments. The doctor returns to his desk and takes out a small notebook and a marker. He returns to his chair and sits. Meanwhile, Mayaka takes a small file out from his pocket and begins rounding the stubs of his cut-off tusks. The tusks are no more than a couple inches long. It is clear that he does this often, because his tusk ends are fairly round and smooth. Halbert watches with a questioning look. Oh, they keep growing. I do this to keep them short and manageable. I see. Watches Mayaka for a few moments. Now, just a few rules before we begin. First, I want to know about you, and only you. We are here to fix you. That is my prime concern. Our first session will be for two hours. Just to build a solid foundation and relationship. After that, sessions will be one hour a week. Does that work for you? Mayaka. Confused. Fix me? Yes. Second, I don't want you placing any blame on anyone else but yourself. You are the reason you are here. Okay. Third, details are important. I want every tiny detail, even if you feel they are irrelevant. Sometimes, these details can tell me a lot about you. Understand? Hesitant. Sure. And fourth, Speak to me as if I had heard nothing about the manimal movement. You or anything else regarding this situation. Assume I haven't been reading the papers or watching the news. You are filling me in on everything that pertains to you and your place as a manimal in this situation. Okay? They seem like kind of strange rules. Slips file back in a coat pocket. You'll understand at the end of our session, trust me. Okay, Doc, I'll do my best. Halbert writes Mayaka's name on the outside of the notebook with the marker, opens the notebook and sets it on the table next to the tea. He takes out a pen from his shirt pocket, an expensive one from the looks of it, and sets it gently next to the notebook. He reaches into his inside suit jacket pocket and brings out a small digital recorder. I hope that you don't mind if I record our sessions. I just don't want to miss anything. Dr. Halbert sets the recorder next to the pen and pad of paper, waiting for Mayaka to respond. Um... Sure, I guess that would be okay. Wonderful. Now we are going to start with a timeout. Sit back in the sofa. Sits back. Close your eyes. Closes his eyes. And take a deep breath. Takes a deep breath. Mayaka uncomfortably looks around for anyone watching or cameras or things of the sort. He closes his eyes and follows the doctor. Yes, that's nice. Think of a quiet, peaceful place. Breathe in. Breathe out. That's it. Now I'm going to count back from five. After a few moments, Mayaka opens his left eye, looks around, opens his other eye, rolls them and shakes his head. This is such a waste of time. It's degrading, too. He looks around the office as the doctor counts back from five. He sees photos, collectibles and college diplomas and observes the things around the room. He notices the doctor has a family of five, or he assumes those are his children. Three boys and two girls. He sees a picture of a younger Dr. Halbert in a boxing ring with gloves on, 
apparently after a victorious fight. He notices from photos and other collectibles that the doctor likes deep sea fishing and sailing, lighthouses, and a couple other things. He quickly closes his eyes as the doctor reaches one and opens his eyes. Good. Now, are we all relaxed and ready to begin? Mayaka is trying to seem convincing and like a timeout was needed. Yes, we are all relaxed. Fantastic. Starts recorder. What would you like to tell me for starters? What would you like to hear? Why don't you start by telling me a little about yourself? I thought I was here because... Getting to know one another on a more personal note will help with our sessions. Getting to know one another or getting to know me? Hmm. You are a clever one. About me. Hmm. Tell me how you feel about coming to see me. Coming to see you? These sessions are very expensive for me and I don't make a lot of money. Enough to get by. But I certainly can't afford this. I don't think I deserve to be here. It's not my fault I'm a manimal. And just because the system looks down on my kind doesn't mean that... Now, now, Mayaka. Remember, rule number two. Sarcastically. Right. Blame. I'm the only one to blame. Gotcha. Correct. Why don't you start with where you come from? Where did you grow up? Tell me about your parents, your family. Dr. Halbert picks up the notepad and pen and starts making a few notes. He occasionally looks back up at Mayaka, scratching his head with his trunk. I'm not sure what that has to do with why I'm here. Shaking finger and picking up tea. Ah, ah, ah. Rule number three. Your background and upbringing could tell me a lot about why you are here. Yes, of course. The rules. Let's see. Mayaka puts the finger of his trunk to his temple, thinking hard. Where do I begin? Hmm. Okay. I'm an elephant, clearly. As if you didn't notice. Halbert, smiling. You're a little nervous? Yes, a little. Lie back and relax. Talk to me. Just start from the beginning. As early as you can remember. Mayaka lies back slowly, trying to get comfortable on the sofa. He stares at the ceiling. His eyes dart around, slightly paranoid. Okay. Let's see, where do I start? I was a very young elephant at the time. I wasn't a manimal then. You mean you were not born a manimal? With all due respect, Doctor, it's tough to tell the story if you interrupt me. Of course. It's just... This is a little different for me. I've never counseled a manimal before. It's very... exciting. Yes, this is new for both of us. A lot of things are. And this is, uh... exciting for me as well. Rolls eyes slightly. <laughs> okay. My apologies. Please continue. Something strange has happened to me that I can't explain. Waiting for the doctor to interrupt. Why it happened, I'm not sure. How it happened, I can't tell you that either. I am an elephant. I was born an only calf in the pastures about 11 miles outside of Nyafunk in the country of Mali. My mother was the matriarch of the elephant herd that I grew up in. Scribbling notes in his notepad. Yes. Please continue. A group of poachers had been killing the wildlife in the area where I grew up. A ranger named Donica had been trying to stop them for months, but they kept slipping out of his grasp. Exterior. African jungle. Morning. Aerial shot of a thicket of trees somewhere in Africa. Close up of a lizard basking in the sun. It scurries off just before a jeep tire skids to a stop right where the lizard was sitting. Dust and dirt fly everywhere. 
A dirty boot steps to the ground. Camera pans up from the boot to Viper, 35, an ugly, tall, scruffy, gangly man. He steps out of the jeep, holding a very large rifle. He's got scraps of beard scruff on his chin and, and jawbone. He is wearing dusty jeans with a pair of worn leather gloves hanging out of the right back pocket. He is also wearing a jean vest with a dirty tank top underneath. A filthy baseball cap sits on his unkempt hair and odd-shaped head. Camera pulls back to reveal two more scoundrels, Tick, 22 male, and Wardog, 25 male, jumping out of the Jeep Wrangler, one from the back and one from the passenger seat. Viper. All right, boys. Let's go see what we've got. Hopefully, a big cat of some sort. Or maybe it's a phoenix this time. Wouldn't that be nice? Now, stay behind me. You know the rules. I get to see him first. Please continue listening to Animals, Episode 1, Part 2. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this audiobook, please consider leaving an honest review, subscribe and share this program with others. Remember to visit the episode show notes and website, www.melsmanimals.com, for more information on the story, characters, upcoming episodes, and about the author. This script is written in extended script format. What is extended script format, you may ask? Allow me to explain. A novel is usually a long prose piece that contains very specific details, places, events, and individual character background information. The keyword is long. Publishers typically prefer novels that contain between 80,000 to 120,000 words. Novels usually consist of chapters. A spec script is a script written in a very simple format with the purpose of being produced. It often does not include specific details, and many of the shooting decisions are left to the director. It is not recommended for a spec script to include direction. Instead, spec scripts contain fades, scene headings, transitions, subheadings, actions, character names, dialogue, and some scene explanations. Typically, one 12 pints courier font script page is equal to one minute of screen time. Scripts usually consist of scenes or episodes. A shooting script is most commonly written by either the cinematographer or the director, to be used during the production. A shooting script can contain such elements as scene numbers and camera directions. It can also contain notes in the margins based on the cinematographer or director's decisions, rather than the original scriptwriters. Extended, or elaborate, script format, ESF, falls somewhere in between a script and novel format. Although it has the same basic layout as a script, it contains additional information, such as more details about the filming locations, wardrobe suggestions, shot types, and some camera direction, like you would find in a shooting script. An ESF may also contain character sketches, storyboards, director and crew notes, suggestions written in the margins, and possibly a logline and or synopsis, none of which are included in a traditional script. One page may not exactly translate to one minute of screen time because of the additional information. In other words, Extended script format is more elaborate and contains more production details and information than a traditional script, but not so much as in a narrative novel. An ESF is intended for mainstream publishing, a script or screenplay usually is not.